everybody. Welcome to Pod of the Dragon. That is right. It's our Mangum Talks podcast where we are covering HBO's forthcoming series, House of the Dragon. This is a follow-on series to the beloved series, Game of Thrones. And we have a trailer to discuss. Spencer, how you doing? Doing well, man. I was, you know, I was expecting we wouldn't get a trailer until 2025, given our existing bet. But, you know, I exist to be surprised every now and then. For the uninitiated, Spencer is a... Uh, a negative Nancy and naysayer. He said that House of the Dragon would not come out in 2022. He's obviously wrong, so he's going to he's going to hold tight to that position for a very long time. But it's obviously coming out in 2022. Um, my understanding is the first two episodes are done. George R. R. Martin has seen them; they're over. Uh, so the first two episodes are ready for air. So I mean, they are they are ready for this series to hit air. I think it, I think they have it at August 21st, something like that. Um, super excited about it, but. Uh, previous to this, all we had was a teaser, which we mm-hmm. talked about a little bit before. It, it was like 20 seconds or something. It was just a couple of really quick screenshots. This is more like a proper trailer in the sense that we got some longer scenes, um, some identifiable things. If you know the story of Dance with the Dragon, Spencer, what was your take after first seeing this trailer? It was everything I expected and nothing that I necessarily need to get fully confident and fully invested in the series. It obviously demonstrates incredible production values. It obviously demonstrates an excellent master of the costume design, the art, the world building in that particular visual sense. The music is directly on point because they brought back the same composer. So all of that is reassuring but predictable. I can't know at this point the main thing I'm invested in. My favorite season of Game of Thrones, they had the budget of a high school play production, and I still loved Not it because the writing was there. <laughs> I love it. It's this funny. is my story, and I'm staying with it. They, they spent like $3 million an episode, but I know what you're saying. Rel- your relative to where they ended up, it was night and day in terms of the budget. They were working. They were a step above Rome in terms of budget, and then they went full Hollywood movie by the end of the series. That was my favorite season because the writing was on point. That's what I cared about. That's what got me invested in the series and the books and everything else. I can't know that from a trailer, but it is at least reassuring that from a production standpoint, from a visual standpoint, they seem on point. So what you're saying is that it didn't matter what the trailer was. You were not, it wasn't, it was not going to reassure you in any way. It didn't matter because it, it, we, what you want can't be done in a trailer, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. Okay. That's going to curse them when it comes to marketing. It's interesting to see, even in terms of the fan reaction, uh, as you noted in our texts of going back and forth, millions of people have seen these trailers on yeah, various it's channels. Yeah, it's pretty ways. popular, yeah. What's interesting, though, is to compare the reaction to the trailers of the Game of Thrones to the reaction to the trailer of this in terms of the upvotes and the downvotes on, on each of the ones. You go back to like trailers in like Season 6, Season 5, particularly earlier in Game, in Game of Thrones, it is a decidedly like 90% positive, 10% negative, or even higher than that. Right now, it's about 60-40 in terms of positive negative. There is a hate-dom that needs to be overcome to where this are you series. Seeing, where, where is this pull, like a Reddit-up vote or something? No, pull up a, you can pull up the YouTube trailer and you can see the uh, fingers up and the fingers down at the bottom of the, bottom of the video. Okay. I mean, I, you know, this is... You always hit me with more negativity than I expect because... I've heard nothing but positive things about this trailer. Um, if people not, super excited about uh, the production value. People excited about, you know, just a, I mean, it looks and feels like Game of Thrones, right? It's one of the things of where this could be utterly perfect and could hit every possible note. What's demonstrative of these upvotes and these downvotes is... The I don't spurn- see a bunch of downvotes. You, you, uh, YouTube got rid of the downvotes uh, not that long ago in terms of being able to see them unless you download an app. I did. For example, right now I'm just on the HBO Max version. 
there are 117,000 upvotes and there are 29,000 downvotes, which is multiple times higher than almost any prior trailer of Game of Thrones previously. That is not saying the trailer is bad in any sense. I'm just saying they would have reacted that way, period, because the show is having to overcome a wall of people that are still spurned and hurt from what the last thing they remember on Game of Thrones is. And so they're responding negatively to demonstrate almost like a form of protest, I think. Okay, well, I mean, that's still a small enough percentage that I wouldn't be super, super worried about that if I was HBO. I mean, 117 to 29, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I mean, okay, great. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even give that a second thought. I mean, the what they've done here has shown that it is, it is the same sort of world, same sort of show. It looks, feels like Game of Thrones, um, sounds like Game of Thrones. I think it's certainly, uh, and you know, what's, what's interesting to me is that I think there might be a narrative like, oh yeah, of course it sounds like Game of Thrones. They're just throwing a bunch of money at it. That's not really true. Um, they're spending about 14 million an episode on this, on House of the Dragon. Uh, toward the later seasons of Game of Thrones, they were spending upwards of 15, 16 million. And it was actually cheaper than some of the later seasons of Game of Thrones. And their explanation for how they've been able to do that is basically, Miguel Sabachnik explained, basically it's economies of scale. He's like, we know what we're doing now. We, we have a lot of the same people who were doing Game of Thrones, and so we're able to do uh, a lot more with less than other shows are. As a point of comparison, an episode of the newest season of Stranger Things costs about $30 million an episode. Um, and the new uh, Lord of the Rings series, which is coming out, which is just breaking all kinds of records, is about $55 million an episode. So it's which actually on the low side of some of these... Um, some of these new series that are coming out as far as the amount they're spending per episode. And I think that is both them being streamlined in terms of their production, knowing how better to handle it. I also think they're doing kind of what they did in the early seasons of Game of Thrones. They're purposely casting a lot of lesser known actors or even unknown yeah. actors to fill roles. I mean, most recognizable actor we have on the show is Matt Smith, Doctor Who and Prince Philip. You, you wouldn't necessarily consider him a headliner. but Plain Damon. Of... Going to be hard not to call him Matt Damon. Matt, Damon, Damon, Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is going to be a thing we're going to fight with in terms of reviewing Not as hard as the lady who is playing older Rhaenyra, Emma Darcy. Um, mm. Her pronouns are they. Um, so, good luck, Spencer. We're going to have to try to do uh, that on whew, this podcast. We, 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 will do, we will do the best we can. I did not realize that she was she was non-binary. Yeah, she's non-binary. Uh, sorry, they uh, are non-binary. We already messed we'll up. Absolutely, we'll absolutely attempt to do that. Yeah. It, but, but what's difficult is that she's... She, uh, they, they, are, they are playing a woman, so when it's yes. when it's Rhaenyra, we say she, we, right? So, well, anyway, we'll work through that. I mean, come on, man. We're podcast professionals. We will make we'll, that work. We'll, we'll definitely work on this. But How to you, your point, I think the point mm -hmm. you're making is that they, they have less um, known actors, so they're not playing the actors as much. Did you know that they're actually paying as much per episode of this show as um, the morning show, that Apple Plus series that is like about a Today Show, you, because they have Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston, amazing to me that the two shows well, would cost the same. This is something I encourage production crews all the time to really consider: is that the majority of your budget's going towards actors, and is that really necessary? Honestly, there's a lot of people that are unknown that will do just as well in terms of acting the job and doing the job. Pretty much, they're bringing these actors for the sake of having name recognition and brand recognition. Whereas a show like this, effectively, in some ways, they're relying on the fact the show has the brand recognition, regardless of who the players are, particularly since they're casting a whole new set of cast and crew, setting ourselves 150, 160 years back in the past, I many thing we've seen before. It gives them so a lot the of free show, show has to save brand, money. 
the show has brand recognition, right? But it's also yes. made from text, right? It's made from a book, Fire and yes. Blood, which debuted at number one in the New York Times bestseller list. So it's also made from a book that's very popular. And, um, and a series of short but, stories around it, too. I mean, um, Fire, Fire and Blood was in some ways the compilation of a series of short stories he kind of published in different places at different times, even often in magazines in the old style. So I think that the... Um, the, the words that we had for the Dance of Dragons previous to Fire and Blood was about 30,000 words. Mm-hmm. And the Dance of the Dragons covered in Fire and Blood is about 80,000 words. So he added... Certainly expanded. Uh, yeah, definitely. Almost three times, right? Uh, almost twice as much up uh, in new words on Fire and Blood. So, I mean, it really, if you want to be spoiled, you want to be sullied, uh, go read Fire and Blood. Spencer famously not read Fire and Blood, even though it was sent to his front doorstep by his co-host. It is dry. It is so dry. It, very generous gift on your part. It's a one. It's a I, I will say detailed historical tomb. It is purposefully dry as toast. It is written to be as dry as toast. It's written by a meister who's not a good writer in text. It's not all dry as toast. It's pretty dry as toast. There's the Dance of the Dragons part does read kind of kind of vivid. Um, all right, let's get into the actual trailer itself, what we saw in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you, I mean, you, you've come into this hot. You've basically said, there's no way the trailer is going to make me happy. And I'm with the 29,000 people who are blindlessly downvoting this. That, so I want to hear what you Not at all think. my words. Go on. <laughs> I want to hear what you actually think of what you saw on the screen. Um, Be- they're very much ahead. setting up. It appears that Rana is going to be our main character, which is no surprise. is the Ramira is the main character of the Dance of Dragons. It makes sense that she would be our focal point, our Danny, effectively, in terms of the show. She's been practicing her Amelia Clark expression for most of the trail where it appears. Uh, what's interesting is that they're setting up as seemingly her immediate counterpart. We don't see Aegon Targaryen in this trailer. Is that fair to say? Not that I recognized, anyway. He's been cast. Um, I know Aegon, I know he's in the show. So Aegon Targaryen... Be, uh, Aegon Targaryen... Uh, A- you're talking Aegon II, which is the... Her rival. Uh, child of Viserys and Alicent Hightower, correct? And her immediate rival in the Civil War. Yeah. We did not see him. No. What they're setting up, and I think it's just where the story is going to start, is being her immediate counterpart, even seemingly framed in some ways in the trailer as her adversary, which is fair, is Daemon Targaryen, Matt, as played by Matt Smith. Seems like he is getting almost as much screen time as, uh, as Rhaenyra is in this trailer. Is that fair from your view? He was, and you know, you said... that. The, you, you led with it looked like Rhaenyra is going to be the, the main character here. Mm-hmm. I hope you're right, because I find her to be the most interesting um, as far as as far as the plot. Right. As far as what happens to her. It's fascinating. Right. I mean, it, it's age old story. Right. With the trying to get the, the we, we have a kingdom that's always been ruled by men. One king tries to get his daughter to rule. All hell breaks loose. It, it's an age, a story as old as time. Right. Mm-hmm. I find I find Damon Targaryen to be the most interesting character himself. So I was actually happy to see that he got a lot of screen time. But I do wonder if um, if he's going to be if his story and his plot will end up you know outweighing Rhaenyra in some way. I worry about that. I mean, I hope not because he, he though early on in the story he does in some ways play like a rival. He plays the contention they're hostile elements to each other. He they eventually marry and he becomes her most strong supporter. But very much spoilers. Spoiler. Spo- hold on, we got <laughs> they're right, written then. they're written books, people. You can, I know, but they still. I mean, like some people are all right. So from here on, 
we're going to we're going to actually talk about uh, the Dance of the Dragons with with a few spoilers. We're trying not to go too crazy with spoilers. So no, not everybody has went and read through the Dance of Dragons, and a lot of people want to watch the show and be you know relatively unsullied. But yes, there is a rela- romantic relationship between Damon and Rhaenyra, um, who is her uncle. I'll be very curious to see what to what degree they go into the idea of Targaryen incest. They've talked about it on Game of Thrones before. It's been for, it's been acknowledged oh, for a long time. I, I'll be curious to see what degree they emphasize it because it plays a big role in aspects of the plot and certain tensions between characters. Um, yeah, well, I mean, they, you know, they got us started with with Jaime Cersei, right? The Lannisters helped limp us into the Targaryen history. <laughs> We've got we we're, we're, we're exposed and accepting of incest now in the Game of Thrones universe. We are willing to be accommodating going forward. Yeah, I mean Rhaenyra and Damon. I mean, hell, that's that's uh, niece uncle. That's nowhere near as bad as what we've seen already. This is true. Uh, how how do you feel about the casting of the two? By the way, given that I'm presuming they'll at least for, at least probably for the first season, the first half, be our two main characters. Do do they look how you expected them to be? Do they? Do you think the actors represent the character in your head? I think Matt Smith is a perfect Targaryen. He looks so weird and his face is bony. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't mean, I know Matt Smith listens to the podcast. I don't mean yeah. to uh, insult he looks him, other, He has he, an otherworldly look. He does have an interesting look about it, and I feel like that really fits with Targaryens, right? Because all we've ever read from Martin is that Targaryens have a very distinctive look about them. Mm-hmm. Um, they very, they very all, Everybody from Old Valyria really stands out. Um, almost elvish, fey kind of look compared to regular humans. And they've clearly taken a lot of a, a time to to deal with that with the casting. I think young Rhaenyra mm-hmm. really looks like a Targaryen. She looks a lot like um, Amelia Clark. I think she does. Like. I feel like they're, they're very close. So they, they did a good job there. I'll be interested to see because we see Corliss Valerian here, uh, the Sea Snake. Shout out Sea Snake! Mm-hmm. Sea Snake! Great. Shout out! One of my Great favorite character. characters in Song of Ice and Fire history. I'll be interested to see if the Valerian Corliss Valerian if his his folks have that old Valeria look, right? Because they're actually from old Valeria too. So they should have that that funky, weird, white hair, purple eye thing going on. I'll be very curious to see how they work that in because they he, he is an actor of where the, he is ca- the actor they have cast is a recognizable actor who very much looks different than the character as described in the books. The actor's black. Uh, it would be curious to see to what degree they work that in of where are there connections effectively of where there is the there's a line of black valerians given his heavy valerian blood are they going to do a summer isles connection is it just race blind casting to what degree are they going to work that in or not i shook my head at race blind casting I think, you did i hope that's what they're doing because that that, that I don't don't, don't I don't rewrite the story simply because you you cast a black guy like let's just let him be and like let it let it go that's what i would i would uh, volunteer for the show writers who are obviously listening to the podcast. Um, I will say this. I love that Corliss Valerian is so ever-present. I think we're going to get a lot of Sea Snake. They do. Shout yeah. out Sea Snake. At this point, a little, little no factoid for you, Spencer. At this point, Corliss Valerian, Sea Snake himself, is richer than the Lannisters. Yes. He is a big effing deal in you- Westeros at this point. <laughs> he is money bags. He's seen the world. And he's got a bunch of, bunch of swords who will follow him anywhere. In some ways, we can frame these three as being kind of like our three main characters. At least they could play up that angle if they want. And we've got Rhaena Targaryen, the realm's delight, the most beautiful woman of her age, at least in her youth. We've got Daemon Targaryen, the most experienced warrior alive at the time, the wielder of Dark Sister, a dragon rider, just like Rhaena. And then we've got the Snake Snake, the most experienced seafarer, pirate, merchant, wealthiest man alive during that period, at least in Westeros. 
These are a powerhouse trio that we have to start this show off with. I'm very curious to see to what degree they emphasize that and frame them as being almost our three poles of the show. Yeah, I mean, They're I very think the different Snake personalities. Is Putin wa- sea Snake is what Vla- Vladimir Putin wants to be. That's in, his. He's not. He's not the sea Snake. But he, you know, now he like that that ideal of like a man, right? Yes. Like that. Like I'll just oh, sure. get on a fucking ship and go around the world and come back and kick your ass tomorrow. Like he's just, he is, he's a real badass. And I mean, like when we've gone to uh, like cons for Game of Thrones, right? There's always a sea snake contention. Uh, they always Absolutely. sit in the back. Whenever the sea snake comes up, there's a lot of shouting. Mm. There's a lot, a lot of cheering for the Loyal sea snake. Follower. So it'll, it'll be really fun to watch his character play out on screen. Um, another thing I'm really excited about that we clearly saw in the trailer that it looks like we are going to get is we are going to get Hall, and it looks like we're getting the Great Council, right? It, and so. that is super exciting, and that, that poses a question, right? Because we see the Great Council. Now, the Great Council happened... Uh, previous to king viserys rule right this is yes. before king this 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 is what salt it ipso facto indirectly six different ways homeland like connecting the dots got viserys to the throne mm-hmm. and then we also saw young renaria and old renaria so like we, we how are they going to do too. the timeline of this is my question like that that's where that's where i'm really interested I have no clear idea on that point. Like you said, it seemed like we may be getting a great council, which surprised the shit out of me because that's yeah. so far back in time, relatively speaking, compared to what we view as the central part of the Dance of Dragons. I yes. figured we'd all, we'd start with, and we do seem to see in this trailer, Viserys naming Rhaenyra as his heir and yeah. convincing the great lords, including a Stark in there, a Rickard Stark rather than a Rickon, but maybe they just changed uh, okay, the name. Okay, so, yep, so that uh, they have they have clarified. Uh, the show has clarified, <laughs> has come out, and yep. said it's Rickon. It's Rickon, it's not Rickard. That in the subtitles, they had it wrong. It's gotcha. Rickon. I was like, okay, I, I know my history enough to know that seems wrong. So that's good to have them clarify that the subtitle yes. guy just got that wrong. So, yeah. Cregan Stark's daddy... God, I hope we'll get to meet Cregan Stark at some point in the show because I hope we get out of the wolf. Character. Uh the hour of the wolf. Woo! I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah we had um, a Baratheon. I thought uh, having having Baratheon there was kind of weird. We, Corlys we, Valerian. We seemingly had Baratheons that were doing a stare, doing a stare down with um, Daemon Targaryen on a beach somewhere too. So I thought that was Sir Otto Hightower because that's the hand of the king. Could be Reacher. Yeah, it's the hand of the king. I think. Um, yeah, so I, I, I hope what happens mm-hmm. is we start with the Great Council and then we go into Viserys' rule and then we, it, it's all linear. I hope, mm-hmm. I hope they don't do the flashback back and forth multiple timelines. No, to, Game to, of Thrones is confusing enough. To, to just the frame names this, are confusing enough. The, the, the relationships are confusing enough. If you do, you introduce multiple timelines, it's going to confuse the hell out of everybody. To, to just offer a, a little bit of, it, this is more background rather than a spoiler for our audience, but just to explain kind of what the hell we're talking about. Great councils happen when there's no clear heir apparent, and essentially the Lord's Paramount have to pick who's going to be the king of Westeros. They've not happened frequently. We've had like two or three different options, and we got kind of a half-assed one on the Game of Thrones show in the last season that somehow picked Bran as our king. Uh, that's kind of how it plays out. It usually takes a lot longer than that to occur. Yeah, what? it was after Jaehaerys the the conciliatory, right? Yeah. Uh, Jaehaerys the the good, like the basically the greatest king in the history, absolutely of the Seven Kingdoms, <laughs> other than Baylor. Robert Baratheon, a- a- other than Robert Baratheon, King Robert obviously number one, but Jaehaerys 
um, did amazing things for the realm. He created the King's Road. Absolutely. He brought everybody. To, he he brought the. I think he brought Dor to the fold. He did so much good. Um, uh, but and then but but his eldest son um, was a was a drunkard and and was just falling down. Right. And then like the, his next Remember? youngest son or next oldest son died. Like there was a whole bunch of fucking drama. Um, it's happened a few times before where basically all available Targaryens have died and it just falls to the realm to pick who is the closest blood relative or who will just possibly do among the Targaryen bloodline. So that that's if they do do that, that'd be fascinating in terms of framing Viserys' rule. Viserys himself, though, had an issue of where, for a long period of his life, he didn't have a male heir, and that was an issue. There'd never been a, fem- there'd never been a queen of Westeros in that particular way. Except in the north, they're more accepting there, particularly down in Dorne, much more accepting there. As Dorne, they don't care. Yeah, they're fine. Dorne, they give two ships. Westeros has a... Um, uh, the North has a history of uh, kind of more female regents rather than necessarily female lords, but same idea. Um, so he decided, i got to convince all the world, all the lords, very much kind of mirroring Austria and Maria Theresa in, in terms of uh, uh, our own Earth history, to accept that my oldest daughter is now going to be my heir. And they're all going to promise that they're going to support her. And the show seems to be emphasizing that that's going to be the central kind of tension going forward of where, yeah, all the lords bent the knee and swore to do it, but now that it actually seems like it's going to happen, their loyalty is now fading, and they're now considering other options. And one thing to keep in mind during all of this is that uh, Jaehaerys is the conciliator. Jaehaerys is the good. He was only the fourth Targaryen king. So the, there, we're still kind of early in the Targaryen rule. <laughs> I mean, like, we're, we're just a couple generations Mm-hmm. into Targaryen rule. And so I hope that that dynamic shows up, right? Like that sort of like, do you really have the veil in the fold? Do you really have the North in the fold? Because this is a relatively new thing. I mean, this isn't like when we get down to like, say, I don't know, Ares, Makar, Aegon the Unlikely, where you're, you're talking about the 13th, 14th, 15th Targaryen. At that point, the Targaryens are kings because they've always been kings, right? right. But at this point in the history... The Targaryens are not kings because they've always been kings. There are people, they very much remember a time when they were not kings. So it it is very much, we rule because we have the dragons. We're at a point of when quite a few people alive, like Daemon Targaryen was like in his teens, we're we're, alive and happy and are proper adults right now. We're alive to see Balerion the Black Dread, one of the three original dragons to invade Westeros, alive and kicking and flying through the sky. That's how not that far away we are from, from the t- conquest. We're like 100 years, 120 years away from the conquest. It's not that far out of memory. Particularly not cultural memory. People effectively still have cultural traditions that long predate the, predate the Targaryens. And to a certain degree in the Civil War, they kind of see a few of those start come to fore as people start pondering what their options are. Uh, I like the emphasis on dragon eggs. Um, sure, we got to see one over it- Brazier. Yeah, it shows Brazier. that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry, what do you? That's Sorry, that's a whole different different podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, so because that shows that the Targaryens are acutely aware that their power resides with the dragons, and it is mm-hmm. very important that they continue to hatch eggs and they continue to have dragon riders, and I think that that's going to be a central theme in a lot of the discussions you hear among Targaryens um, is about the power of their dragons and Absolutely. ensuring that that power continues after them 
So the emphasis on the dragon eggs I thought was really cool. Uh, I love the costuming. I, I know this is one of those things that you hand waved and said, yes, there's cool costuming. Yeah, it's fine. always good, whatever. Yeah, but but that's not something to just hand wave, right? Because like they spent clearly spent a lot, a lot of time in this. One of the coolest stills, I think, from the entire trailer is young Rhaenyra with her necklace. And the necklace at the center of it has a Targaryen sigil and mm-hmm. on the uh, going out smaller but still on the necklace are all of the uh, seven kingdoms of and the and the ruling lords of those seven kingdoms so like you have like the baratheons you have the the the, the wolf for the stark all around the necklace they could have just put a necklace on her right but they didn't so the fact that like they're taking the time uh for stuff like that shows me that like this is going to be a show that does the little things right hopefully which which lends itself to being better uh, in the sense that uh, it feels more real and it's much more rewatchable. I did appreciate that it seemed from the brief shots we got of it, they did make the Iron Throne more spiky, look a little bit more jagged, <laughs> a little bit more threatening. Yeah, we talked about this before. They, yeah. Even just like leading up to it now just appeared to be a jagged landscape of swords even approaching the chair. And I kind of appreciate that touch that, you know, going back into time, this is the spikier, grander, more horrifying Iron Throne. Yeah, you know, I wonder how they're going to do that, right? I mean, I think that what they did is they shot the middle, right? I think they realized that, like, in their, in the in the grand old days of, uh, as Spencer puts it, when they didn't have any money, and they made the, the Iron Throne as it was in Game of Thrones, that's not how it was in the book. It, it should have been bigger. It, there should have been more swords. Um, and they're trying to shoot they're the progressing middle, now. They're progressing yeah, they're somewhat. It seems like they're shooting the middle uh, a little yeah. bit. And just kind of like adding a little bit more around it to make it a little bit more intimidating and just edging closer on that spectrum to what it really is in the book, which is a fucking, like almost like walking up to the second story of a building to oh, get to the it, top of the thing. It towers over the entire room. Is this jagged artificial artifice, this jagged just monstrosity that's looming over the room. If they went too far in that direction, your casual fans would go, well, when did they change that? When did when did they scale down the yeah, chair before Robert took far. charge? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, what else did we see that we either liked or did not like in the trailer? Uh, one, one thing you talked about. I very much agree that Matt Smith looks like a Targaryen. He does not look like Daemon Targaryen to me, though. I, How that, so? That, that they're going to they're gonna have to convince me. He does not have the physical presence in my mind of the wielder of Dark Sister, of the most experienced, accomplished warrior of his age. He looks like maybe what you cast as Aegon in terms of not less less a warrior and more of a political kind of term. You mean he needed to be more muscular? I was expecting him to actually, you know, have gotten a little bit more jacked, have a little bit more looming kind of presence. That can be acted out. Matt Smith is a quality actor. I expect he can bring that gravitas in terms of how he acts the character. But the physical presence doesn't match what I had in my mind in terms of Damon. I will agree that, um, what's her name, Emma Darcy, uh, they are very much closer to what I imagined for Reyna Targaryen in terms of that particular look. Particularly the dedication that they spin on that braid of hair that is constantly curling and presenting in different ways uh, in every image we see of her. Her braid is always referenced in terms of her description of that long braid going down her back or curled in various ways. And they've emphasized that heavily. I also, like you noted, I like that in some ways they are setting her up as a Danny before Danny. And they're kind of leading us into that role. That feels smart in terms of getting people on the same page for her character early and understanding kind of where she's coming from. And well, there's so many parallels, right? Because yeah. so many parallels. It's a Targaryen who is next in line if you take the gender out of it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I mean, if you take the gender out of it, there's no argument that Rhaenyra is next because she's older yeah. than Aegon. Uh, in the same way that once Viserys, um, the Beggar King, dies, Daenerys is, is the next, right? Mm-hmm. So the, yeah, they're going to draw that parallel, and they're going to probably draw parallels to the same struggle of sexism that they both dealt with. Um, I like that they start with the shot of Rhaenyra on Dragonstone looking mm-hmm. pissed off. Because when I think Dance of Dragons, I think Viserys dies, yeah. Viserys dies, and Rhaenyra spends the next year at, at a fucking 14 on Dragonstone, angry at every single person yeah. under the sun for what is occurring. Yeah. And that we hopefully get a lot of shots of Emma Darcy dressed up as Rhaenyra Targaryen just raising sand hell on Dragonstone, because that's what she did. Rhaenyra Targaryen being pissed on Dragonstone is a mood that goes on for like 40% of her time in the text. It's just yeah. she finds ways to just be pissed on Dragonstone at every available opportunity. I liked that we saw the Aegon's table of the you know that he oh, had yeah. made um, for the conquest. Obviously, the Targaryens still using that table. It was eventually used as a place for uh, Lord Stannis to have sex with Melisandre, and then much later <laughs> as a place for roles. Tyrion Lannister and Daenerys Targaryen <laughs> to plan her invasion of Westeros. So that table is is a kind of a relic that, that, that speaks all the way through the story. Here's a question to debate from what we've seen so far, including the fact that we don't, again, seemingly see Aegon appear in this trailer. How much can we expect to see of the story of Fire and Blood, the story of Dance of Dragons from the point they want to start in, in the first season of this show? What's your bet? Truly based on the trailer. I would bet that the last episode of Fire and Blood, or uh, House of the Dragon, the last episode of season one of House of the Dragon is Viserys dying. I very much agree with that based on what we've seen. I don't think we're going to get into the Civil War this season. I think in some ways we are going to set up last episode, Viserys dies, and then the Lords kind of pick their sides. Kristen Cole and then Alison Hightower move. makes her move. Yes. And it becomes Cole, clear Cole that you're going to have to choose. Move, yeah. yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to choose green or black, Spencer. What are you, green or greens or black? Where, who are you? Uh, I'm favoring the Starks in terms of this war and they got bought off to serve the black. So I'll serve, I'll, I'll, I'll serve there too. Okay. All right. Um, I, I, I absolutely serve the blacks. I love her near Targaryen. Yeah, Queen that never I mean, was. I Love mean, her. she has her. She has her flaws. She has her profound flaws. She's a very human, realistic, complex character in a way that George R. R. Martin can do beautifully. And she's. I'm going to be very curious to see what sides of her they emphasize because she is a study of opposites, a study of contrasts. Same way as her ultimate lover, Damon. And the balance they're going to have to they're going to have to walk in terms of portraying them in a way that comes across as simultaneously sympathetic and real is going to be difficult. They have my sympathies in terms of making that work, but I'm, I'm willing I to believe wonder, they can pull it off. I, I think that this show will succeed if you've got, in your, your middle of the second season, and you've got people on the street wearing, I'm team sure. black, I'm team green, right? If people really get into well, the sides of the battle, my question is, how are they going to possibly set it up to where a significant portion of the audience supports Aegon and Allison Hightower? Because they're just pieces of shit. So I don't know how the hell... They're going to set that, and it's I, her position is completely embroiled in sexism. I think hundred percent. I think they have to emphasize in some way the negative aspects of the character. They have to give you what are some of the downsides of betting these people: their rage, their anger, their spitefulness that we see it sometimes portrayed out, their inability to ever forgive a grudge. Those kind of need to be set in because 
If you want a character in, in, in the Dance Dragons that I never really got a good read on, I still don't necessarily have a good draw on Aegon's personality. And what is... What he's mo being motivated by other than just rank opportunism and other people telling him to do it. So that's in never, some way a character that... you're never going to know. That, that's never a character that in some ways, if they actually want to have a green and black be a viable kind of controversy between the two, they either have to make the blacks look bad or they have to give me more reason to support the greens. Other than just Alice Hightower is a compelling character just because of how yeah. utterly... I think what they're going to do, they're going to take a, a page out of wrestling's book, I think. They're going to make oh, Rhaenyra Targaryen do a heel turn when uh, Viserys dies and she starts raising sand hell on Dragonstone with any and everybody, assuming loyalty before checking with people, ordering the execution of people who she doesn't even know yet which side they've chosen, well, like flying her dragon right into the fucking Red Keep and threatening children. Like, Rhaenyra does a hard heel turn, and I think that's how they're going to get some people on the side of the Greens. That's very possible. They also can just emphasize Damon's negative sides, too. I'm not going to spoil things because it's some shocking some of the shit that he pulls, but let's just say that Damon is willing to kick the dog like nobody's business. And they can put, place a lot of emphasis on the degree that even he occasionally horrifies Rhaenyra in terms of what he's willing to do. You have a choice, Spencer. You have a choice. Um, um, what would you say, is there anything about this trailer that makes you worried, or is there anything about this trailer that you didn't like? You are a fanboy of the show in ways that are earned and merited and shouted from the rooftops. Was there anything here that made you nervous or, or disappointed? No. No, it looked really, really good. It looked and felt like Game of Thrones... Um, I love this that the, the, they allowed some of the soundtrack to be on the trailer. I thought the casting looked good. The costumes looked good. I mean, you know, in the same way that what you were looking for could never be in the trailer. Mm -hmm. And therefore, there's no way that you could ever be like super happy about it. The, the stuff that would take away uh, from from me uh, liking it cannot possibly be in the trailer, right? Because like the, what I wouldn't like is if they right from Jump Street started deviating from the book. <clears throat> I wouldn't like if they sped through the material. Um, is ringing a bell? Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't like if the episodes were uneven or hard to follow or the CGI was bad. All that stuff can't be portrayed in a trailer. So the stuff that would make me hate it, I can't see in a trailer. The stuff that I can see. Uh, makes me feel like I'm back in Westeros. This is so much the summarizing of you being an optimist and me being a pessimist, of where we have the exact same issue. It's just the fact that it's absent and so doesn't doesn't take away from you. The fact that it's absent doesn't build me up. And so we're coming from two completely different perspectives commenting on the same issue. Yep, yep, that's exactly what's going on. And, you know, I think we'll get a read pretty quick quick on the Ep writing on the episode pacing one is going to matter a hell of a lot in terms of this fan base. Yeah. there's a lot yeah. everyone's going to tune in for episode one even the twenty nine thousand are doing negative on this trailer they're going to tune in for episode one and if it holds strong that twenty nine thousand is still going to act like it sucks but the rest of people will be 100 percent invested if it it doesn't meet standards if it is say a below average episode of game of thrones that's going to be a rough kind of point for them to keep going from. They need a strong first couple episodes to get people confident in this show again. And I I have hopes that they can deliver. They certainly have the production team. They certainly have all the resources they need to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I felt very good after I watched the trailer because I felt like this, they just ran the crew back and they're just, you know, it just feels, looks and feels like Game of Thrones. And it has a good, good story 
um, and a, a soup to nuts story already written that they one, can draw upon. One thing I will say that actually did make me confident. I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you a kernel of me actually liking something or being confident about something. The fact that we didn't see a giant battle scene in this trailer. Hmm. The fact that they seem willing or confident enough in their material and willing enough to maintain a steady pace to give us a season one, most of season two kind of season, starter season of House of the Dragon, of where it's just politics, drama, characters interacting, plotting in motion, and being confident that they can that can sustain the show. That's reassuring. The fact that I don't see a giant battle scene right away, they're not already jumping to that, or just making something else up to, re, to insert it, that's a level of confidence in their craft that we haven't seen necessarily in a while. And, you know, that, that gives me a little bit of confidence. You could say the same thing for the reliance on dragons in the trailer, right? Because the, the amount of dragons in the trailer is kind of light. I mean, you, you have like one shot of what I assume is Rhaenyra like flying her dragon into... Looks like a to, dragon rider, yeah. Yeah, look, and, and, and if you know the story, like some that, that's going to be an iconic scene at some point. And then you have uh, Damon, uh, who, who seems to be approaching a very unhappy dragon... Somewhere Car in the bowels of Dragonstone. Probably Caraxes. So, probably Caraxes. Yeah, 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 probably. Trying to look for, to get a dragon <laughs> rider. Uh, maybe even getting that egg that, that we see. Very possible, um, yeah. Could be, could be that scene. Uh, but they're not, they, they didn't just throw a hundred dragons at you. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. it didn't seem like they were relying on that to suck the audience. And instead, it seemed to me that they were relying on the nostalgia from Game of Thrones to pull you in and showing, hey, look at the, here's the Iron Throne. Here's the Red Keep, you know, mm -hmm. here is, here's a Stark, here's a, you know, here's a Baratheon, like, w gangs back together. Mm -hmm. it, it was interesting, too, that I was expecting in some ways them to name drop more names that we knew, but they already want us to get the Sea Snake right in our minds. If we're the thing yeah. that we got dropped early is like, you know, seemingly bending the knee to Viserys and announcing their loyalty to his daughter and accepting her as his heir, were a Baratheon, a Stark... <laughs> the Starks are with her. The Starks stay with her. Uh, and then the Sea Snake. Third in line, already mentioned. Character we have no knowledge about if you're just following the shows. But they want us to know him early. You're going to get what you want there, dude. He's going to be a major character in this series. And he's How in a lot of the not? promotional material, too, that actor. Yeah. So that I think that's really cool. Uh, okay. Uh, overall, uh, 1 to 10 reaction leaving the trailer. Spencer, give it I have to. I have to judge it as a trailer. I can't judge it as based on like a story front of prop. Yep. They're never going to give me major yeah, story points trailer. or anything else. As a trailer, I'll give it I'll give it a seven and a half. I think it's a pretty successful trailer. I think it hits the notes it needs to. I think it's framed and edited well. I, I think it's a success. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say nine only because of the unevenness between the different Rhaenyra's. I think a casual fan is going to be confused by that in the trailer. Uh, they're, they're not going to understand that that's the same character. And I mm -hmm. think that they're going to have, they, they have some work to do in how they tell that story if they're going to show us, and it looks like they're going to, young and old Rhaenyra. How are you going to do that? Is it going to be one, like, okay, here's a scene, and boop, we jump 50 years for the next episode, or not 50, but like 15 years for the next episode? Or is it going to be, you know, kind of that in and out, doing flashback thing? Do we know? I guess that remains to be seen. Do we know how many episodes are in the first season? 10. It is a full 10 episode show. Man, Correct. We, haven't seen, we haven't seen that in Game of Thrones in a while. Uh, Correct. Ten episodes. That'll be very curious to see. That could justify in some ways them being willing to flash back farther to the past in terms of a starting point, given the amount of material that they can cover effectively and space that they have before we ever even get into the Civil War, hopefully next season. 
I agree. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. That is our review of the very first full trailer of House of the Dragon. I imagine we'll get another one probably about two probably. to three weeks before it it goes. Typically what they did with the Game of Thrones season is about two or three months out, they would release a trailer. And then two or three weeks out, they would do another one. And that one would be in the two to three to four minute range that would include a lot more um, footage, usually not from the last couple episodes of the season, but a lot more footage longer into the season. So we probably have that to look forward to before the premiere. But in any case, we will be here with you reviewing any new material that comes out. So that means new trailers, new screenshots, new whatever stuff that we get here on this podcast feed. And then we will be with you every week to review House of the Dragon. I'm so excited. Spencer, anything, any final words before we sign off? No, I, I got to give them credit. They get me looking forward to material in a way I didn't think my, my long dead heart could be, be capable of. So I'm excited, man. We'll see what comes next. Woohoo! All right. We will be back with you the next time we either get another trailer or we get episode one of House of the Dragon. See ya.